folks, it's back here on Jared the Boss Man Show. It's time for our weekly segments with Dr. Burnett, but she's going to be here for, for a whole hour today. Four segments for you. This is the Dr. V Hour on the Boss Man Radio Network, <laughs> obviously. And uh, we're going to have her today talk to you all about, first of all, healthy eating habits in the summertime. People want to get fine. If people want to start having barbecues and start eating varsity, if they shouldn't eat the varsity at all, Waffle House, or go out to eat, <laughs> go to Jack Alexander's, or, you know, Taco Mac, maybe. Go to, like, a place like that. You know, they want to eat. But how can you eat healthy there? Dr. V may have some for you on this. I'm turning over to her to talk to you about healthy eating habits here on the Boston Man Show. What's up, Dr. Burnett? How you doing? I'm good. How are you, JR? I'm wonderful on the road as usual. <laughs> always, always. Um, so, yeah, so like you said earlier, we're going to talk about exploring what healthy eating habits are, and that includes, you know, uh, basics of how to grocery shop, um, behavioral uh, modifications that we can incorporate into our lives and then also just some basic information of how to create that type of transition to make a healthier lifestyle for yourself in regards to eating. So a lot of people talk about weight loss and weight management, right? So whether you're looking to lose weight or to gain a little bit of weight for the purpose of, you know, a lean, leaner body, uh, more muscle, stuff like that really, and that's under the umbrella of weight management, the most common uh, topic that I find people talk about nowadays is weight loss and how do we change the way that we eat or how do we change our behavior to be able to be successful in weight loss. So a lot of times what I tell people who reach out to me about this topic is 80% of the change in your body and it's not just weight, it's how your psyche is operating, how your organs are functioning, and how your body moves within space and stuff like that all has to do with what you put inside of your body. So it's valid to say that how you eat will be maybe close to 80% of what type of changes you'll see aesthetically within your body, but then also the healthiness of your body. So let's dive into it. Um, we'll talk about 10 habits. I think that's pretty simple and easy to remember. 10 habits that can help you lose weight since that's the most common topic that, that our society talks about. So when you look at weight control, right, when you look at weight control, you're looking at what type of small changes can you make within your lifestyle that will help to create healthy habits. And so the first thing that, uh, that I'd like to talk about is evaluating what your eating habits are. Uh, I like to do a journal and, um, you know, those who ask for my opinion about it, which I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I, in, I am in the health and wellness field and I do have over 15 years of experience. But I, I come from a place of personal um, personal opinion, but then also what I've learned along the way with the credentials that I've earned um, educationally. So one common theme is how am I even eating? Where do I even start? And that's a great evaluation process, is an assessment. Right, you're assessing what are you even putting in your body if you're putting anything in your body. 
I say that because I find that people usually skip breakfast. And I'm kind of traditional. Now, you have different trends and fads that our society will put out, you know, how to lose how to lose weight in 10 days or how to lose weight in 30 days, you know, that type of thing, right? I'm sure you've seen those billboards. But realistically, you don't want to shock your body into what you essentially would consider it to be starvation, right? So you'll lose a huge amount of weight initially, right, With if you're looking at those bad diets. And a lot of people think that a lot of people think that you are, you know, losing the weight that you need to lose. But honestly, that's kind of the excess weight, which you would probably, if you could compare it, right, uh, scientifically, maybe water weight um, or weight that's just kind of been carried on your body that really is easy to, to be released. But how can we sustain the healthy eating habits? And that's what the assessment comes in, right? You want to assess yourself. So assess when are you eating um, during the day? What's the amount? You know, would you would you say that you have, you know, a good amount of proteins that you're putting in your body, a good amount of fats, a good amount of carbohydrates, um, and, and seeing kind of what that looks like, right? Uh, and I would I would say probably start with a journal. That would be good. So that way you can see, okay, this is what I'm putting in my body, and these are kind of the changes that I need to make. So um, I like to ask people, you know, are you eating late at night? Are you uh, finishing your kids' meals or your friends' meals, right? Are you <laughs> snacking throughout the day? What are you snacking on? Are you a sweet person? Okay, what type of pastries do you like? Are you a salt person? You know, how much sodium are you taking in? So that's where I would start is the assessment process. The next thing is the whole concept of if you fail the plan, then you're planning to fail. And really, you can use that that quote in any situation but we're talking about eating habits right we're talking about eating habits so if we're looking at it from that standpoint planning your meals right so the feedback that I typically get which includes myself when I first started to change my eating habits is I don't have time I don't have time to cook all of this stuff and and plan out my meals. I've got so much going on, which I can understand. We live in a society that's go, 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 go. Fast food is literally like, you know, a three-minute process. You know, you get your food and you're done. But, you know, what type of investment are you making in your body with those type of choices of going through fast food? Whereas you can kind of have the fast food mentality if you're preparing your food, you know, reserve a day like a Sunday or a Saturday, whatever your off day is, your most relaxation day, and, you know, cooking a large portion of a protein. So if you're eating chicken or, you know, a steak or fish, if you're more so on the vegan side and or on the vegetarian side, you can cook other proteins or provide other proteins. Um you know, for that source rather than the meat. And then cooking some vegetables that complement the protein source and then some, um, the vegetables or the carbohydrates or the carbs, right? And then maybe some grains in there if your body responds good to grains. So whole grains or quinoa, those, those are my two go-tos. Again, if your body responds well to that. But 
it can provide a fast food concept if you're really just planning ahead, right? You take that day, you reserve that day, you say, okay, what do I want for the week? You know, you go grocery shopping. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later if we have time. But you go grocery shopping, you know, you plan that day to cook, and then you pack your meals, right? You get Tupperware and uh, pack it all in there. Portion control, right? Very and much then, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's also a visual thing, right? So if you've got portion control, you know exactly how much is supposed to fit in this small Tupperware. It's like a sandwich size uh, Tupperware container. And um, and so then you, you stack all your meals up for the week. You store it in the refrigerator. And then, you, you know, day one, you take it out, you pack your lunch, and you go. You warm it up for, what, two, three minutes? It's hot. That is your fast food, right? It's just putting the, the preliminary steps into place to make sure that you're planning ahead for your whole week. And that can really not only save you money, but also save the weight that you're going to gain from whatever fast food that you decide to go to. Okay. So the next thing is, so that's, so that's the planning part of it, right? The next thing that I would say is uh, when we're going into the grocery shopping, shop on a full belly. Don't go in that grocery store and you're starving you're like, okay, I gotta get this. I gotta, you know, when you're starving, you're irritable. Some people respond differently, right? They get hangry. Um, so you're hangry in there. You're irritable. You're gonna pick something that is going to um, that you can snack on while you're shopping. That probably is not the best. But you also want to have clarity in when what you're shopping, um, and then coming prepared with a list. I'm not really big on detailed lists, but I do like a structure um, of where I'm going. Okay, so if I, if I need to replace some things that are in my pantry, replace some things that are in my refrigerator versus my freezer. Um, you know, having a general list of the things that I need to get will help you stay on track. And then also, since we're talking about the grocery shopping, stay on the outskirts of the grocery store. When you're starting to get into the aisles, unless you're getting supplements uh, or you're getting some type of um, what we call seasoning or something like that, some pastas maybe, I would stay on the outskirts of the grocery store, right? Because you're going to have the fruits, you're going to have your veggies, you're going to have your uh, dairy, your meat products. So all that stuff's going to be on the outskirts of the uh, of the store, and it's going to help you not to be attracted to the more what would you call it the um, the preservatives. Well, no, the preservatives. Yeah, you won't be tempted to go into where you're you're getting the chips and you're getting the candy and you're getting you know, things that can be stored, the, the shelf life is longer. Usually when the shelf life is longer, it's going to be less healthy for you. That's the general concept. So, um, you know, take that into consideration when you do go shopping. Uh, the other thing is eat regular meals, right? So having a conversation with yourself to say, okay, I'm mapping out my day, which has to do with time management, which we'll talk about on a whole other segment of time management. When you're looking at eating your meals regularly, making sure that you're having five to six meals throughout the day, that's going to continue to keep your metabolic rate up, which helps you to burn off the fat that's unwanted in your body, but then also to be able to replenish some things that um, that, that you need in order to function optimally, okay? So figure out what that looks like so that way we're not binge eating, right? If we skip breakfast or we skip lunch, then 
usually you're going to want to double up on what you've already made. Double up. But double up, right? But you talked about portion control, right? We talked about portion control. So that's going to help us with our portion control, staying on track if we're able to eat regular meals throughout the day. Uh, the next thing that I would say, which would be our fifth habit that we can create that's healthy in regards to eating is eat your food sitting down in front of a plate, right? When I talk to you about being on the go, usually I see I'll be stuck in traffic and I and I'm guilty of this. So don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not perfect in this, but I will say that I, I do this less. I see people eating in the car, I see them eating while they're texting or while they're driving or while they're doing something car. else. Eating in my car. <laughs> no eating in your car. I don't want ants in my <laughs> car or crumbs in my floor. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, if, if that rule is in place for you, that makes it so much easier to be able to sit down and be still and, you know, be present while you're eating, right? Because there's so many different uh, mechanoreceptors that are firing and neurons that are firing. This is kind of more of a scientific talk. But there's so many things that are going on on a microscopic level within your body when you do eat the food, you're placing the food inside of your mouth, your, your teeth are chewing it, you know, your, your tongue is meant to move the food around so that way you can really uh, start to uh, decrease the size of the food so that way it can fit down your throat, your esophagus, and then it goes down to your stomach and your stomach has a specific process before it moves into your small intestine. That has a process. Then it moves into your large intestine or your colon. And then from there, you excrete it out of your body, right? So there's a whole process that that's whole, happens. That, that's that's the process. <laughs> that is the process, right, of digestion. But if we're like, if we're wolfing down all this food, we're skipping the essential steps to even allow our body to gain the basic the fast nutrients track that to we that eat. explosion. <laughs> right? You don't want to skip that. So sitting down and preparing to eat gets you in a position to make sure that you're eating the proper amount of food, that um, you know, you're chewing up all of your food and that you're consciously eating and enjoying the meal versus, okay, I had to eat this before five o'clock meeting or I got, you know, 10 minutes, get this down. Like it's like, go, 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 go. But we should really kind of be still and present when it's time to eat. We really should be present in everything that we do. That's a different topic, right? But yeah. if we're talking about sitting down and being um, intentional about the food that we're eating, we're much more able to have an enjoyable experience with the food that we're eating. We're, sitting, we're investing in our bodies. That's a, it's an opportunity to place a deposit into weight management and weight loss and, you know, making sure that your body's changing for the good. Um, number six would be, you know, serve, serve hey, your Dr. food. V, we're about to take a break yep. here. I, I, oh, I can't yeah. get the sponsors mad at me. <laughs> take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, take your break. Take your break. Folks, we're going to be back after the break with Dr. Burnett with step six, okay? Stay stay, stay tuned. You're going to commit to the show. Stay tuned for step six, coming back with you, healthy eating habits after the break. Thank you. 
name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focusing on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. show with Dr. Burnett, Dr. Burnett, before, I, before we even get into it, before the jokes come in or the emails come in, yes, we know she has a full belly already. I, I always say, I said the joke for you. You don't have to even send it to me. I did it for you. I know it's coming. Because <laughs> they're going to send me even, she has, she has a full belly already. She's pregnant. Yes, she does. In theory, yes, she does. <laughs> so before you do it, I did it for you. <laughs> Dr. Burnett for her, bless her top 10 for you guys. What's up now? Okay, so we we stop on uh, six. So let's go into six. So when you're looking at uh, food portions, the idea is to make sure that you have portion control, which we talked about earlier in the show. So maybe an idea to promote portion control could be serve your food on individual plates and then just leave the extra on the stove. So I'm not saying necessarily, you know, put each individual portion you know, on a separate plate if if that does not work for you. But this is really just options, right? These are these are suggestions to help create healthier eating habits. So you could take bowls of food on the table to begin, you know, to be eaten, but then all the extra stuff, go ahead and leave that on the stove, leave that in the oven. Of course the oven's gonna be turned off. But that way you're 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 telling visually right? Visually, you're telling your body, okay, this is what I'm committing to, right? Versus overeating, okay? And typically, it takes about 20 minutes for your mind to even get the signal that your belly is full. So, um, it, it helps with having that, that type of um, technique to use when you're, when you're, you know, eating. So, number seven would be eat slowly and try to chew every bite that you have. Savor the moment, savor the taste. Um, I don't and allow. I just. Well, you don't. Well, you don't do that. Well, well, tell me why you don't do that. Well, hold on now. 
Cause I'm on the road. I gotta, eat. I gotta move. <laughs> I, I, I'm eating, and I gotta go to my next thing. I can eat for a little short window, and I, I gotta hit my next spot. So, right. Okay. So, would you be interested in exploring reserving? You know, ten, twenty minutes for for you to eat. Right. So, putting it in your schedule, just like you have a schedule. Uh, where, you know, what game you need to cover, you know, what interview you need to cover, and it, it starts and stops at a specific time, and you're pretty adamant about that, which is brilliant. Can we maybe transition that into the meal planning part just a little bit? Usually I eat at the game or at the station I'm at, so it's kind of like I'm eating in between commercial breaks, things of that nature. Okay, well, eating in between commercial breaks isn't bad. You focusing just on the food, or are you doing other stuff? Looking, at, I'm I'm looking at Twitter, looking at emails, talking to my fans, <laughs> talking to the people. Cause I'm a man of the people, as you, as you know. You are a man of the people. Okay, the, the people's well, host. <laughs> the people's host. Okay, I received that. So, just planting the seed is probably where we're at right now. Maybe in the future, you'll have some reserve time where you're not. Um, you know, having to overlap different paths. But I understand that you're busy, you're making it happen, you're a hustler, so that works out. So for number eight, um, this is a big one. It's a huge one. Don't eat after dinner, right? A lot of people like to snack, um, depending on where the snacks are. But that's actually where the, the extra pounds come in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I'm having conversations with people who are who are looking to uh, lose weight and get in a better shape and everything like that, when you do the assessment, that's where you see, well, did you eat anything after? Oh, you know, I just had a glass of wine or I just had, you know, a non-alcoholic beverage or I just had a snack. Those type of calories, which really are empty calories, which means that they don't, they don't provide substantial caloric intake in order for your body to function properly. They're just added weight, basically, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, I I just, you know, I, I, I watch my favorite show, and but you know I have to have my snack with it. I'm like, e- no. I'm like, you not, no, you don't get to have that fast. So usually what I tell people is brush your teeth right after you eat dinner, right? Um, even, even, even after each meal, it's good hygiene to brush your teeth so that way the food doesn't stay within um, within your mouth and decay there. But also just as a healthy eating habit in general, after you eat dinner, go ahead and brush your teeth um, and, you know, floss and mouthwash the whole routine. So that way it will be less of a temptation to have that, that after-dinner snack, right? Um, so moving on, going to the last two um, if you're snacking during the day, treat the snack kind of like a, a, a mini meal, right? So we talked about having maybe five to six meals per day. If you're looking at having a snack um, as one of those quote-unquote meals, consider it as a mini meal. And so when you're looking at the snack options, make sure that you're having snacks that have complex carbohydrates versus simple carbohydrates. So I do want to pause just a little bit to explore what that means, right? Because when people come to me and have a conversation, they're like, oh, I don't eat carbs. I don't no carb diet. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me, like, what you're eating. And they're like, oh, you know, I love vegetables. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Vegetables are carbs. Well, no, they're not. I'm like, 
they are. They're carbohydrates. <laughs> uh, they're complex. They're complex carbohydrates. Um, they're like, but I don't eat sweets. I said, well, sweets are simple carbohydrates. So the difference on a fundamental level of what complex means versus simple is that complex is complex, right? It takes more steps than the simple steps. Uh, so if you're looking at complex carbohydrates, which are mostly fruits, some of them are vegetables, or excuse me, mostly vegetables, some of them are fruits, that's the correction, is it takes a longer time to break down that particular item of food, which is making your body work harder, which is good because then your metabolism is now heightened over a longer period of time, meaning after you've already eaten this meal of complex carbohydrates, your body is still working even for you, even after the meal is done and gone and you've moved on to the next thing. Versus simple carbohydrates like some more sugary fruit or even the empty calories that we talked about. It's literally one or two steps. It's one and done. And then most of the extra calories that are not used, that are not being burned, is stored as fat. And so when I talk to people about what that difference looks like, they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, dude, you want to be, even when you're working out, you want to be engaging in activities that are going to work for you, not against you. So even doing like resistance training, resistance training for most um, genetic makeup, you're going to be burning calories even after your workout, hours after your workout versus doing something like that's more speed and agility. Literally you're firing fast twitch muscles that are used just in that moment. And then you're one and done. You're, you're not burning calories after that exercise. You're done versus the resistance. It's like you put in that time, you put in the work, but your body's still working even after the exercise has been completed, you know, three hours prior. So it's the same concept with a food, right? You want to eat more complex carbohydrates, especially if you're snacking. Um, do the complex carbohydrates rather than just having like a quick candy bar and that's just simple sugars. Um, and the last thing is this can be uh, arguable, right? Uh, depending on what professional you're talking to. But uh, like I said, I'm just kind of traditional, especially when people are starting out trying to eat healthy they don't need all these extra rules and, and all this stuff. That's what ends up discouraging the process. Uh, but the last one is start your day with breakfast. Uh, usually people say, you know, wake up, or usually professionals say, wake up, you know, within 30 minutes, go ahead and, and eat something that's nutritionally dense. Now, you do have this concept of intermittent fasting, which I won't get into it with this segment um, just because it gets a little bit more complex in knowledge. But... The basic of the the basic understanding of eating breakfast as a uh, nutritional component to jumpstart your day is you're breaking your fast, right? That is breakfast. You're breaking your fast. And the mm-hmm. fast is throughout the night. Your body has been able to heal, regenerate, um, gain the nutrients that it needs. You know, start the excretion process. So you should be able to wait to wake up and you know excrete whatever waste products that are. Uh, I've been waiting to leave your body, but that gives you an opportunity when breakfast comes around to be one of the most important, important meals of the day. It jumpstarts your metabolism and gives you energy for the rest of the day, especially if you were 
continuing to eat those small meals throughout, you know, your day, whether it's mini meals or whether it's, you know, a little bit bigger, you're still having that consistent timeline of having some type of nutritional based components coming into your body investing. So those are the 10 habits that I would be able to suggest for those that are starting to want to eat healthy for weight management, especially weight loss. Exactly. And and I I subscribe to this rule, 12 on, 12 off. So I don't Mm -hmm. eat past 7 o'clock if possible. 7, like 7 to 7, like between 7 and 7 you don't eat. Just drink water, you know, that's what I tell people. 12 on, 12 off. And you know what, JR, the water component is brilliant. Brilliant. A lot of us are dehydrated. And we think that we're hungry, so we're like, oh, let me grab some food, when really we need to grab a bottle of water. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that, especially within this segment, is to, to drink the water. Use that as an indicator of am I really hungry or am I actually dehydrated. And I look at this. Two bottles of water can kind of make you feel like you're full. Mm-hmm. If you drink the 17-ounce ones. They can make you feel like you're full, and you they'll kill that urge to eat or whatever you have going on. So, it's a little tip I have for the people out there in the health of this world. <laughs> I always go like her, but I have a little song for playing for, 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 for playing ball and a little bit of tricks here and for playing football. So you know, mm. you know a little some some about the health and wellness game to a degree. <laughs> I receive it 100%, especially with the water intake. So, yeah, we're good. I completely support that. Absolutely. No doubt. Well, folks, with no segment coming up for you here after the break. So stick and stay with us, Dr. Burnett, boss man. We're coming back after the break. Chill out. Fantasy football season is fast approaching, and if you're looking for an edge this season, you need to contact the guys at Draft Day Consultants. The concept is a simple one. Draft Day Consultants takes your requests and connects you with one of their trusted analysts, who then guide you through your draft, whether you just need a sounding board on decisions or if you need them to conduct your entire draft. Draft Day Consultants has you covered. Every one of their consultants has a proven track record of success and have conducted hundreds, even thousands of mock drafts. Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers. Alright, 
folks, back here on the Jared the Boss Man Show. Dr. Burnett here with me for a whole hour here. I'm about to delve into the world of sports psychology. This is a, a field I've talked to you guys about over the years, about the mindset of a player and how players think. And we're going to let, let the doctor talk about it from a doctor's perspective. And I'll jump in with a little bit here and there and we'll as she breaks it down for you. So, Dr. V, it's on you. What you going to do? Hey, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about sports psychology, and we're really just going to breeze over what sports psychology is, and then also just some different things that you can do to enhance your uh, performance in whatever sport that you're in, whether it's recreational, professional, uh, semi-professional, right? So the first question is, what is sports psychology? So I was talking to JR um, through the break, and we were kind of talking about how his coaches trained him when he was actively playing and, you know, the difference in how I was trained. And so the idea really behind sports psychology, right, is this kind of psychological knowledge um, and, and skill that addresses an optimal performance and well-being of athletes and how they develop socially, how they develop in the participation of sports, and really allowing the athlete to understand that there is really there is a connection between your mind and your body. So we're looking at exploring what can you do on a psychological level that integrates other aspects like physiologic or excuse me physiology, kinesiology, and the biomechanics of the body. Merging all of that together to really promote a peak in your performance. Okay, so it's really kind of as simple as that. But different uh, professionals use it in different ways in different arenas. So, like I said, we're going to talk about kind of the basics of that and what you can be doing on a re- recreational level, but then also semi semi pro level. So, uh, my question to you, Jr., is um, one: What sports did you play? And then the second part of that question is: How do you feel your coaches trained you? Well, collegially, I played football and basketball. And okay. I end up taking football to another to another level. Um, see, for me, it's weird and different because okay, I don't need a coach to kind of give me an uplift or motivate me or you try to you know psych me into doing something. Pretty much, I, I'm I'm a compare it. I want to win. That's all I need to right. do is get ready for a game. I mean, I knew my matchup. I knew I was gonna be talking junk. Two of us going against me. That's all I needed. You know, I, I was, I'm a very much a self-starter. Um, I know the game plan we have, and sometimes the game plan we have sucked. I'm going to do my thing no matter what, you know. And I'm about winning. I'm ultra-competitive. I'm urban. That's why I, I work so hard at this radio show, work so mm-hmm. hard at my businesses and attacking things that I do outside of the radio show because I want to win. I have a desire to be the best. And my mindset is that one of determination, discipline and dedication those are my three d's so right. in doing that i don't need someone to kind of manipulate my mind to get me to a place to excel at my highest level i would do that on my own now some of my teammates then they need those motivational speeches those really be the wrong way to be honest with you i don't like i don't want right. to hear this crap you know because <laughs> i don't need it you know like trying to use these analogies to Hype people up, man. Look, if somebody wants to play, they want to play. But some guys need that. Now, for me, I tune that crap out because that's not what I need to play. Just put on my jersey, put on my pads, 
putting on my helmet, mm-hmm. going on that field, catching their football, seeing another team out there warming, warming up. Oh, I, that's all I ever needed. I never needed nothing else but that to get me ready to play a game of the game of football, a game I love, a game of basketball. I also played bowling and tennis in high school. You mm-hmm. need to, you need to get me. You need to motivate me to, to go out there and bowl a great game or hit good serves and play tennis. So it was like nothing was ever needed to make motivate me to do nothing better. All I needed was the X's and O's from you. And generally speaking, right. just by me knowing about the game, watching the film, playing it for a long time since I was a little, little kid, I didn't really need the uh, X's and O's to a degree because I kind of knew what to do anyway when I watched film. My father was a coach. So okay. I, I had it from my daddy already. Start the trash okay. and stuff. So for me, it's, it came natural. And I, I wasn't, I didn't need like a boost or an uplift to do something. I also want to do it because I, I love the game and I'm compared. I want to win. So it sounds like you were uh, exposed already to a coach mentality because your 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 father was a coach. And so a lot of times when, you know, we talk to athletes or even those looking to um, accomplish a goal that's fitness or health related, um, they may be missing the component of that positive psychology, the sports psychology that you were already exposed to, especially with having your dad um, already placing you in that type of arena. And then also just maybe innately or being born with that natural dedication, motivation, confidence to be able to be the best player that you could be individually, but then also collectively with the team. Right. Right. So for me, uh, I was involved in competitive dance, right? So dance teams uh, where we would go to competitions, uh, whether they were local or national, that type of thing. I never was really actively involved in um, any other sport, I guess you would say, and it's still controversial whether dance is a sport. That's not really the platform that we're talking about, but it, it did bring about some challenges for me as an athlete uh, because, you know, of the motivation and the confidence within myself, right? So I'm not built as a competitive person. I like, ideally, I want everyone to win. Everyone gets medals. I am, that, I am built to be that person. Although if I do have to be in that competitive spirit, uh, then, you know, I put the game face on and then I try to act accordingly. But I do find it interesting that, you know, when you have whether youth athletes or you have uh, professional athletes or even recreational athletes, right, you're on a intramural team um, and you're playing a sport, right, you get so involved in the game, even the fans get involved in the game. But if we're talking about the, the athletic performance and how to improve that, the concept behind sports psychology is pretty brilliant because you're looking at different techniques. I think this came out a little bit later on in the sport, but you know, you're looking at different techniques to be able to um, expand with the athlete's intellect. Right. So uh, what I want to dive in, what I want to dive into um, on the second part of our segment um, is how can you improve your mental training right so it's not just I'm weightlifting I'm working on speed and agility 
exercises and working on endurance and working on eating habits and, you know, the practice schedule, all the basics of what it, what a sport provides, regardless of whichever one that you're engaged in, but also looking at the component of how your brain relates or interacts or changes or improves um, the performance, the actual sport performance. Um, but in my experience, what I want to share with you is that as, as a dancer and even a mom that has two kids, uh, both of my children are pretty competitive in their own way. And so I find that they're, when they're not um, on the winning side, right, their team has not won the game. My, my son currently plays basketball, and my daughter really is more so into cheer, dance, and gymnastics, but she'll get into competitive gymnastics as she gets older. Uh, when those situations arise, when you've lost the game or you, like you said, you're talking smack to your, to your opponent, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. Sometimes, <laughs> all the time. Some people aren't built that way to receive that, right? They allow the, the psyche to be distracted in the game. And so that presents with hurdles and obstacles and actually performing at your best level, right? So the talent is there. That's, there's no question there, right? So let's just pretend the talent is there great athlete, um, performs optimally, is, you know, right on track for for accomplishing whatever competition that they're in or whatever game or whatever the next level is, right? Physically, they're good, right? But psychologically, you have these hurdles of, okay, but I didn't win this game. Or even if you have a star athlete that all of their pressure is on them, um, even playing recreationally or even weight training, right? If you've got bodybuilders, um, you've got, you know, people who are able to weight lift and they want to go through with the competition, okay, their psyche may create some hurdles for them accomplishing their goal. So that's kind of a little bit what I wanted to dive into. So for the sports psychology aspect of it, I like to look at, there's a couple different components of what positive imaging is, power words, focusing, having goals, uh, body scanning, right? Um, like I said, we'll talk about this all after the break. Um, the focused attention and what the celebration looks like. All of these different components come into play, even on a microscopic level, that can enhance someone's performance, whether you're looking at performance and speed, performance and agility, uh, performance and keeping your mind in the game and not being distracted by talking smack or having the other opponent talking smack or even being intimidated by the competition that you see. Because I think you had mentioned when you play football, you would assess the other team, you know, and getting prepared and, you know, how you were going to play for the day. So all of those components come into alignment when you're looking at how to improve that person's performance by, um, by exploring sports psychology. So um, do you have any feedback for me before we take a break and then dive into the, the training tips? I'm just thinking about this media basketball game I got coming up this weekend. I'm going to show up and to destroy these people. So you kind of got in my head. So, yes, your boy be out here in California, NBA Finals, got a media basketball game. 
I'm going to show up and, and destroy these jabronis and embarrass them up and down the court because that's what I do. I come to win. I don't come to play, people. That's what I do. And our radio competition knows that, too. Our, our detractors know that. That I don't care. It doesn't matter what you think. We're coming to win and beat you every week, every second on the Boss Man Show. <laughs> and if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> so, with that being said, folks, we're going to take one more break. Dr. Vanette's coming back for one more segment. Sports Psychology Part 2, Dr. Vanette, the boss man. Second segment with us. We're coming back at you. One more segment. Yo. It's just one of them jams. You want to just lay back and just kick it, you know what I'm saying? It's your man JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m. Only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Man here with Dr. Renette. One more segment of hours flowing by. We got one more for you on sports psychology. So I'm going to break it down for you from the doctor's perspective. So here you go, Dr. Renette. It's on you. Talk to the people out here on our great Boston Radio Network here. Hey, uh, thanks for the welcome back. So, on the first part of the sports psychology uh, mental training, we talked about just JR and myself and our experience as well as my kids' experience with just the involvement that we have or have had in the sports arena and then how we kind of carry that into um, how we perform, right? So different types of people, whether they're recreational or semi-pro or professional, um, the concept behind the sports psychology is really looking at the psychological component and merging that with the physiological component, the kinesiology, how you move, um, but then also the, the biomechanics, you know, how, how your joints are moving in, in relation to the sport. So merging that all together and looking at how your brain basically becomes more involved in how your body moves, okay? So this part of the segment, I really like to look into the different techniques really that you can utilize on any level. Um, like I said, I want to keep it as basic as possible. If y'all want to talk a little bit more about it, then you can reach out to me um, via email and, and we can have a, an offline discussion about it. So I want to start with positive images, right? So positive images is what? It's having mental 
images throughout your workout or your training that provides feelings of speed and power. So like if a person is training um, by running, right? So they're trying to improve their speed or, or their running technique or their endurance um, technique, visualize what that looks like to be able to um, draw yourself to the finish line or whatever that point of the stopping point is, whether it's, you know, you're running long distance or you're timing yourself, visualize what that looks like. And, and you can do that by visualizing a magnet pulling you closer to your end point, right? Um, the other part of that is using power words, right? So what are power words? Power words are making positive statements on an ongoing basis. A lot of times we get caught into this negative thinking that's super common in any arena, right? In everyday life where we're living in such a negative society, but because we're talking about sports-specific topics, the negative thinking is very common, what I find um, in the recreational and sports um, arena. And so if you're constantly making positive and powerful statements, you're allowing yourself to think more positively, right? You're becoming more aware of these thoughts very early on before you're actively in whatever sport that you're doing, right? So if you're training and you're training in a way where it's positive and you're using the words that I can do this and I will do this, then you're going to start to believe and perform in that manner, right? That just kind of, it, it makes sense. If you're training in a way that's healthy for you and that's positive for you, then the results are going to come out more healthy and more positive. And that also prevents injury as well, which is huge for longevity in the sport that you're involved in, right? Um, be present and focused, right? So if you're practicing, practice being present in the moment. We've talked about that on so many different topics, didn't we, they are already? We have. And so when we're looking at being present, in that moment, that is part of focusing. So, for I must admit example, to see Doctor V, I was a bad okay. practice player because I didn't okay. care about practice. I just care about the games. I must admit that. Now, on my own, I was focused, but in actual practice, I wasn't. So, why do you why do you think that is? I'm just curious. There's no judgment, but I'm just curious. Why Why did you feel like practice wasn't as important as like the actual game? Because I didn't want to get hurt in practice by going full by going full force in practice because I think too many guys get hurt in practice. And oh, why, okay. Why am I going to get hurt going against my own teammate? I know we're simulating what we're doing, but I cannot commit to go full speed in practice. Okay. I can, I can understand that. I, I'd, rather um, get mental, I'd rather get the mental reps than get the actual mm -hmm. physical reps. Got you. So it's like if you made a mistake in a play or, you know, something didn't play out the right way, whether it was um, your responsibility or your teammate's responsibility, it was more so, okay, how can I mentally correct this so that way when we're actually quote-unquote on or we're playing the game or, you know, involved in the competition that I, mentally I remember that, which will then translate into my body. So when I am going full force, then I'm able to make sure that my performance is enhanced because of basically the mental training that I put into the practice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I get what you put now. Okay. So um, in that perspective, 
practice being present in the moment, um, we can probably um, steer it more in a way where instead of the athlete thinking about other things that are going on within their life that does not serve them in that moment of being a better participant, whether on the team or in the individual sport, then that could be more so of, of the concept of being present and focused um, in the moment. And so that, that will allow the athlete to be able to uh, perform better while they're asked to be on, right, or, or active during the sport. And so that also will create less, less injury as well. So um, the next thing is the advantage. What advantage do you carry over the next opponent, right? So thinking about how you can provide yourself um, the natural born or even trained talent that you have that highlights you as a player or as an athlete, right? So you're looking at how can I uh, use my talent to my advantage, whether it's the individual sport or working with um, a team. The other thing is the body scan, right? So body scan just like other things that we've talked about can be used in, in different conversations. But for this one specifically, paying close attention to where you're holding tension, right? Where are there other areas that are um, kind of on a microscopic level becoming distractions that could end up being injuries, right? So if you're holding tension in your upper body, while you're using your lower body or you're holding tension in your face or you're holding tension in your lower body when you're trying to use your upper body, right? Paying close attention to um, your tension level and your training for, excuse me, in your training form will help you while you're working out, um, while you're exercising, while you're training to allow you to be able to relax the tight muscles so that way, those tight muscles are not being overworked, right? So if you're looking on a musculoskeletal level, your muscles and your skeleton, mm-hmm. right? Your musculoskeletal hey, I love when you level. Say that. I sound like our trainer. The musculoskeletal areas of, of the player's bodies are the ones with the we're careful with the most. I remember that from our trainers. Yes. So a lot of times, people hold tension in their shoulders and their necks. And that's just in the real world in general because we're, like, stressed out all the time. But when you're looking at playing the sport, you don't want to be tense and you don't want to lock up in your muscles in one place when you're trying to provide energy somewhere else because really, realistically, you're, you're utilizing energy to create that tension, right? And you want to be able to be as strategic as possible while you're training so that way while you're at play, you can perform better, okay? So going back to the body scan, when you're setting up positions, so, you know, in football, when you guys are setting up for your play or, you know, somebody is a cross-country athlete, um, you know, when you're training in these areas, you want to make sure that you're present with your body. Where are you holding unnecessary energy that could provide injury um, in the long run? And so that's a huge one that I like to um, that I like to explore with, with different people um, whether they're in the sports arena or whether they're in the general population. Um, another one is detach yourself from the outcome, right? So, yes, we want to win. Everybody wants to win, except me. For I want everybody else to win. I mean, I want to win. I don't win know too, why. Right? But you want to win everything. 
I we just want to win everything. Um, but if you're able to psychologically detach from the outcome and only look at what you need in the now, like what's your pace, how's your breathing, how's your concentration, when the time comes, the outcome will present itself, right? So ideally what we're in we're we're in training, you know, coaches are coaching us and training us. You know, it's all about the win. It's all about the win. It's all about, yes, I can understand that because the benefits that come with it. And then even, excuse me, on the psychological level, you're looking at, you know, being a winner. I am a winner. But if you're able to slightly detach yourself from whatever the outcome is, you can be present with how you're training, right? So that goes back to body scan. Are you holding tension in places? Are you breathing properly? Are you actually concentrating? When you're able to get to that space where you're focused in that moment on what you're supposed to be doing, the idea behind detaching yourself from the outcome is not worrying about the future, being present in the present moment, right? Because when you get there and the competition is happening or the game is happening, you're you're thinking about all these different things, right? You're you're hitting these plays, you're changing up the plays, you're changing up your body position, you're talking smack to your opponent. There's so many different dynamics coming up. You're making sure that you're not injuring yourself. And what if, you know, a player steps on your finger or steps on your toe or runs into you a little bit harder than what you've expected? Whatever, right? Which I can only imagine because I've never experienced that. You still want to be present in that moment. Okay, now I need to address how do I need to change my body position, right? Not being so focused on, okay, I just want to win but being focused on how am I setting myself up to win, right? To win is the outcome. So hopefully I was able to explain that um, appropriately, but I love those different mental techniques. Um, That's really what sports psychology is about. And like I said, you can use that in the recreational world, semi-pro world, and also the semi-professional world. So that's what I have for you today. And Dr. V, I've already decided you're going to go with me to a Falcon preseason game. I'm going to teach you about football. So I'm going to let you uh, <laughs> learn from me from watching the game with me. I've made up my mind already. I know you probably, how can you do that? I just did. <laughs> You're going oh, you to a Falcon game to, to that, learn. That, that you, born you, you're gonna, motivation that you have, that born motivation. <laughs> you're going to get a free lesson football one-on-one from me watching a okay. professional game, breaking it all down for making you like, wow, he, how, did, how did you see that? But I, I did. <laughs> you know, uh, well, so. I look forward to that. So a, a one-on-one uh, training session of, of how football is played out and everything that goes into it. So I'll be ready when that happens. One thing I did promise you, I will show you about sports. I did promise you that we first met. You did say that. You sure did. You yes, sure the, lessons, did. the lessons football lessons started in August. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some time to prepare. Yes, indeed. Hey, you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Okay, we'll do. Take care of yourself. This is Dr. Burnett, people. We're out. Hope you enjoy this hour. We'll be back next week.